0: TED Audio Collective. I learn so much from my nieces and nephew, including their Gen Z slang, which they're kind enough to clue me in on. For instance, they taught me what riz was long before it became the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year. It's basically charisma plus, and I love it despite my failed attempts to use it correctly in a sentence. I always have my ears open for new ways of expressing myself. I think it comes in part from my experience working across many different industries, academia, consulting, nonprofits. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that being multilingual means something broader than you might think. I'm Adupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Rosita Najmi. She's vice president of the UPS Foundation and she has spent the last 20 years working in both the corporate and nonprofit sectors. In this talk, Rosita tells us what being a multilingual leader means to her. Then, after the talk, I'll share my experience of learning how to be a successful communicator. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending, in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, Ted Business listeners. We're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox, exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai.
1: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline?
2: and someone who studied, lived, and worked in over 30 countries. I thought I knew how to navigate across cultures and languages. I was wrong. There I was, day one of business school, getting my bearings and hearing an alien language. It wasn't English, French, or my native Persian. It was a bouillabaisse of languages, jargon from across the organizational multiverse the corporate world the nonprofit sphere international development and the public sector it was weird in business school i thought i'd learn about leadership styles what i found were leadership languages and i learned that by becoming conversant in these languages that i could communicate with and contribute to all of these worlds so how does one become multilingual. Here's my story. In college, I went to West Africa to study microfinance and economic empowerment. Seeing a large public health need, I co-founded and led a nonprofit collecting medical supplies and money. We saw what collective action could yield, and we were creative with our advocacy and our fundraising, with campaigns like Band-Aids for Benin, Along the way, I studied different leadership styles, autocratic, democratic, laissez-faire, servant, collaborative, transformational, and more. I read books, attended trainings, and I even had the privilege to study with some of the greats and to work with General Colin Powell and Dr. Maya Angelou. After all of this, I became convinced that there's no best type of leadership, so many of us just default to one style or another, similar to how we're born with our native tongue. But this default style doesn't work in every situation. Many leaders obsess over leadership style when really they just need to get over themselves Sorry, leader, it's not about you. (laughs) What's more useful is to adapt and personalize your leadership to be the leader the situation and the people involved need. It's not so much style as language, the living vernacular of each discrete community and culture the successful leader will aspire to be multilingual, to speak fluently with all groups and to translate among them. In 2012, while working at the Omidyar Network, I was one of the sponsors of a two-year study of 12 impact investing funds. One of the ahas of this project was that the most successful funds were those led by multilingual leaders people that could communicate across the corporate, nonprofit, philanthropic, and public policy perspectives. These leaders also made sure that others on their team were multilingual. Hmm. This came to me as a bit of a surprise. I expected the secret sauce to be in sophisticated financial modeling or some other type of complex analysis. According to the study, the multilingual leader will describe their work as being unremittingly financially driven, business speak, moving the needle on social and environmental challenges, nonprofit and philanthropic speak, while addressing systemic market failures, public policy speak. The study further found the need to be conversant into four industry languages, those of finance, nonprofit, government, and international, Development. The multilingual leader was something that seemed very familiar to me. This really rang true based on my own experience of patchworks across these sectors. And it took me back to that first weird day in business school. Now that we've described the how, let us turn to the what. Where should leaders focus? I will modestly propose three topics that cut across issues, and together we'll double-click on one of them. Data, climate, power. How each of these sectors measure the impact, and even the timing, the tempo, and the tools that they use for each could not be more different. Say you're... The private sector, at one end, you have accounting on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and quarterly increments. The public sector, you're working on multi-year election cycles. The nonprofit and philanthropic sector, well, you may give yourself 15 years or even a generation to reach a goal. Yet all of these sectors must come together to reach these outcomes. To make it real, let's look together about how these sectors can come together to address power with the focus on gender equality. Say you're a public sector leader. You have the unique ability to create equity, a level playing field so everyone has a fair shot. You can create regulations and incentives to increase the use of gender data. You can set goals for women on boards and in public office. You can practice gender budgeting, and you can mandate paid care. Say you're a leader in the business sector. You can design products and services that unleash the economic power of the female customer. You can fortify and diversify your supply chain with women-owned businesses And you can invest in your female talent pipeline with pay equity and leadership opportunities so that your corporate decisions are more inclusive. Or maybe you work in philanthropy or international development. You can help remove the barriers, whether formal or informal, that influence how power is distributed. You can fund the research and training that both the public and the private sector need to do their part. You can fund campaigns and grassroots efforts that influence social and cultural norms. And you can help get women in decision-making roles in their households, in their communities, in their countries, and in economies. The multilingual leader can be conversant and use the languages of all of these sectors to identify the root causes and then collaborate together to find the solutions to these complex issues. So here is over 20 years of experience distilled into one sentence. Don't fret over your leadership styles. Focus on your leadership languages. So over to you, leader. Which languages are you going to learn next? Thank you.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card.
0: to have a more flexible approach to language. Rosita shows us how leadership language is a currency. Like she said, it's the secret sauce to getting things done across many different sectors. Working in academia, I've had to learn its particular leadership language. The emphasis for an academic such as myself is publishing research. And for what I study, that often means finding new and exciting ways to collect large sets of data. Now, I work in a big institution, one that has finite resources that need to be shared across the many different researchers who work here. When I want to convince my dean to invest in my research by either acquiring a new piece of equipment or building out a lab, I know that I have to emphasize that the collective impact of this kind of investment. I have over 150 colleagues, some of whom are my collaborators. I have to show that what I'm asking for is going to benefit more than just me, that other professors and their graduate students will be able to use that new equipment or data set or learn a new technology that they can incorporate into their own research. When I'm engaging in academic leadership language, I really emphasize that my need will lift the overall level of scholarship for the institution. These conversations aren't a huge departure from the ones I had when working in consulting or banking, but speaking the language of this particular context of academia is what makes the difference. That's it for today. TED Business is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by Hannah Kingsley Ma, edited by Alejandra Salazar, and fact checked by Julia Dickerson. Special thanks to Maria Lajas, Farah DeGrunge, Corey Hajim, Daniela Balarezo, and Michelle Quint. I'm Madupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.